Good evening and welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest, I should make sure, yeah, you can hear me. Tonight's guest is Nathan, or is author, musician, podcaster, and occult aficionado, Nathan Lee Miller Foster. Despite his harem of women, his plans for overthrowing the world are currently on hold while he's creating a sacred text. A sacred text based on the story that unfolds in the reworked tool album, The Holy Gift. Nathan is also the host of the Six of Swords podcast. It is a unique show that focuses on art, spirituality, and healing. Subtopics touched upon in the show then become the focus of three ancillary shows, the Six of Cups, Six of Stones, and the Six of Wands. Nathan can usually be found on Heretics Anonymous, hosted by Miguel Connor of the Aeon Byte radio show. And secretly, he is the occult fox in the mists of Dark Journalist's Ideas Room. Nathan, welcome to the show. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Nish Nish. Hi, everyone. Nay, yay. You are our, are you the king of this particular very auspicious night? I've already said it everywhere, but full moon and equinox. Come on, baby. Yeah, and you're keeping me from filming it. Motherfucker. This is this is this lined up. This is just perfect. I love you being the equinox king. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm born on the autumn equinox at zero zero degrees Libra, so it kind of works. Yeah, it totally works, as always with you and with anyone that's looking that has their eye out for synchronicities and the synchronistic universe, which you certainly do. These things just roll out before us. It's amazing the network of synchronicity that is really afoot, that's really there when you're looking, when you're in observation. Oh, yeah, it's 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 stepping up too. I mean, like you could say it's because I did the headless right which in um, Chaos Protocols talks about look for increased synchronicities. But I think it's also just that I'm paying more attention and I converse with the spiritual world and the interdimensions, if you will, on a, on a daily basis. So like, it could be that or it could just be because we're paying attention. I don't know. Right. Well, there's, you know, I mean, there's, of course, there are naysayers with whatever you do you can fart and there's a naysayer and so you know that flatulence wasn't really flatulence and so uh, (laughs) but for those of us that are working in the magical universe and really seeking to gain more perspective these things we're looking for and so it may seem minute or it even may seem laughable to some people when when you start laying out and speaking out loud the synchronicities but magically something's happening and by addressing it we're addressing it in the outer world which is you know this is really it's really the inner world in which this tapestry is being woven i mean it's definitely conversing i think like there's there's a couple of ways you could look at it. You could say a lot of people I hear talk about synchronicity and say, you know, this proves that I'm on the right path. And I think that's almost putting too much onto it. It seems like it could just be that it's proof that you are communicating with a, what we, we call on the, on the Malkuthian plane, mm-hmm. um, a causal events. Mm-hmm. But obviously since we are interdimensional entities, since we are souls having a human experience, it's more, I think, just um, to the point to say it's proof that we are having some conversation or interaction with 
the higher levels of our being. You know what I mean? I do. And for me, my ideas, the concept around whatever God is, and of course, you know, I don't, I don't ascribe it to any particular religious wrapping. Uh, it is a sign that there is a network woven around us that fits that archetype. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely um, the archetypes seem to be stronger maths or stronger like chunks of or groups of language that speak to us. And I think that's just like how in the spirit world, things seem to move faster and they're able to manifest more quickly as far as I can understand it at this level in my development. Uh, it seems maybe there's some kind of like chunked up core processing, like metadata processing that uh, takes the form of what we call in this, you know, lower level so-called of uh, archetypes, but it's really just um, our ant view uh, of what the you know higher level humans that are in that realm compared to you know analogous to us as ants, what is like maybe just common grammar and verbiage for them, and it might go higher and higher and higher, but we don't have the wherewithal in this level, at least from my vantage point right now, to understand how much higher or more archetypal archetypal that could get. Dude, dude, you had me at metaphysics metadata. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> when in Nox Mente Rome, you know? It's, you know, this is, this is the whole thing about the gateway or the portal of dream. And as, as another state of consciousness, as a portal, as a, as a possibility of finding ourselves somewhere else and yet still maintaining a sense of self. And uh, again, for those of us that are, are seeking more, there is more. And it's clear to me every single day, every, every time I close my eyes and I want to start work on being more adept at, at OBEs, all of this and these synchronistic events like deja vus unlock new gates of perception. They just do like doing ritual work. Oh, without a, without a doubt. I mean, I had a, um, I was at a, I, I go to UFO group um, once a month and even how I got into that was extre like very highly synchronistic. I was walking a dog named Shadow and <laughs> You know, I, 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 I up until recently had extremely long hair and a long shaggy beard. And I was, um, I was hailed by a, someone that I now call a friend, but he called me over. He said, hey, Ernie Bach. <laughs> For people who don't know Ernie Bach's a, a local New England, he's a cele celebrity because he's so wealthy. And he has a band called Ernie and the Automatics or I don't know, Ernie something. Mm -hmm. He's a car dealer's son. <laughs> and he's, he's so he apparently I struck a resemblance to this individual, but I'm walking this dog named Shadow, listening to higher side chats with Nick Redfern, talking about the women in black. In this episode, the same day, he, he talks about something like a Raven Street, or he says Raven, and my eyes are literally gazing at a street sign that says Raven Street. Yes. And then this guy calls me over and starts telling me there's this UFO group meeting and so-and-so. And, you know, that's, that's, uh, that was how I got into a UFO group through a series of synchronicities, which seems to be uh, pretty much in the air lately, especially after the re release of Hellier. A lot of people are talking about T. Allen Greenfield and ultra-terrestrials. Mm -hmm. 
it's 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 one i think it's correct to say that bigfoot loch ness um grays and other entities even poltergeists it's all one continuum i'm not saying they're the same thing but it's one continuum of this interdimensional extra dimensional manifestation that somehow is able to be um at times kind of misted or um phased into or broken into our our environment you know i do and and this is this is always my kind of this is my inward thought when i encounter people that are so closed off is the world is everything around us is actually really magical if we allow it to be and the time spent closing in and saying that's not possible or this is ridiculous that mentality which is just fine i love stoic staunch people like that as well i find the dryness also funny however it just seems a bit sad and definitely not magical we're not it's like it's like it's like something is dying in the brain. You know, the neurotransmitters are not shooting off and you know you, the connections are not hitting in a weird way, even though I can find that charming as a personality trait in people. Well, you know, we would say like not just the brain, but maybe the uh, the heart and even the soul too. Yes. And, oh, yeah. I mean, we could go right down the tree of life with this. Well, and... Of course, they would hear that and they would think like, is that not a Tarek Malik, Terrence Malick movie? And that would be the end of it. <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying. But, so, but that's the whole thing, Nathan. What about the humor? That's why we can laugh about that as well. Um, well, so I came from that position, right? Like three years. Jerry, is it right that 2015 was your big year for kind of waking up? Yes, <clears throat> yes. I, I, just, I was telling this to Nish last night. I did the math on my birthday, and my birthday equals 2015, mm-hmm. which is the same time that I think that you and I and a lot of other people, like in a wave, kind of had a consciousness activation. Maybe we could call it that. It was in June, actually. Oh, man, I love that. I, have, I know the date, I, because I saw... I saw uh, uh, UFO or whatever, an orb in the sky, and I took pictures of it and I reported it to MUFON. So you can look up my report. I'm, but that was the day that, like, my brain lit on fire. That's a hell of a way to have it happen. <laughs> and, and then, but the better part is the next month in July, I went on a family vacation with my, like, ex- extended family, cousins and shit. And I was, I was crazy. I was crazy. I was crazy. <laughs> Aliens are coming. There's disclosure. You know, I was like in the cult. And what was Thelma saying? Oh, my parents were like, whatever. My 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 ex-wife actually called my shrink and said, "Hey, <laughs> he's acting crazy." Anyway, um, it's only fair though. I mean, that's when you are. What am I? How, wait, how wait, much? Wait, the, the, it's while I was months. while we were on vacation in Outer Banks, uh, yeah. North North Carolina. The same orb I saw and took pictures of showed up in the sky. It's following me. And you. I dragged my family outside to see it. And all the kids saw it, and my dad said, ah, it's a plane. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that's like what Nish was saying, for those who are able to see it or not. It was just weird to see it come back again. I thought it was the moon. It's kind of what amazing. do you think it is now, Jer? I don't know. I could look at it one way, that it was a wake-up beam. 
with the Dallas. with the reinforcement. Yeah, or it. You know, I was already the night I saw it. Believe it or not, I was watching a Simon Parks video. Ah, so you know that's the video that got me into higher side chats. It was a Simon Parks too. <laughs> what do I think it was? I don't think it was. It was not a Chinese Lantern. Um, it made a right. Ang- it, it made a right angle. It made a turn. It made a right turn. Yeah. That's uh, that's usually when you can tell it's definitely not a plane. Yeah. Oh, it was, a, saw, it was right. My, it was right over my friend's, my neighbor's house. It was right there. I've seen two UFOs myself, and they were both uh, interestingly because Easter's held in different times of the year, like March and April. The first one I saw was I think 2016, and it was like either Easter Day, and then I saw another one like next year on Easter as well. I was hoping for a third one, but nothing. So. Or I missed it. But I saw one again recently, actually. I forgot about that. Like a straight left and then boop, disappeared. Yeah, I could see. I can just, I go outside and look at the sky and I see shit flying around. It's, <laughs> I, I could just see it. It's just out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's clear. There's so much stuff out there. It's the, crazy. There's lines in the sky, black lines. Mm hmm. It's it's amazing. This uh, it's funny how we can trick ourselves into just not seeing, right? Or just it's just part of what's out there. As far as it's not unusual. Yeah, I kind of had this thing a couple weeks ago where I I don't know how to explain it. Sometimes I'll see something and I'll 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 get an impression of what it was, but it's just not. So I didn't really see that. It was just my mind calling it that you know like a car in my house kind of thing you know there's that wasn't a car but maybe those things are real glimpses into other realities and that's the dismissing is what you know you what i'm saying is that everyone may do this and not realize it because it's so fleeting and you dismiss it so quickly you can't remember it well keep in mind too we're manifested into this realm and we're set upon using our human senses. And for what it's worth, it seems that we're especially in this materialist scientific paradigm. You are. Our... <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. We're in this paradigm. It seems like that what we're going through is a default setting. I mean, I'm talking about what you're talking about right now. Hmm. Um. I tend to say, you know, if there's something weird, bring it on. Like, I want, to, I want to see it. You know what I mean? Oh, hell yeah. Bring it. Let's see those reptilians with your vestigial wings. Anyway. Nish, are you live? With all this in 2015 being so pivotal, tell us, give us, let's do, let's get some background here, Nathan. Tell us about your earliest stuff. You know the whole Nakshmante shtick. What kind of small kid, what are your early memories? What influenced the little Nate Nate? The shtick, eh? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm quite familiar with the shtick. Oh my goodness. Um, do I tell the joke about how I'm a quarter Jewish, but they took the whole tip? Okay, I do. So the whole- <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> they had a little guillotine for it and everything. It was, a, I don't know. Anyways. So here's the thing. I'm oil. Oh my God. Vampires. So here's the thing. Um, I guess like one of the earliest experiences I had that I could express as that would be very nuxtic day would be I used to float above my bed. 
I would I would start to astral project or out of body, but I would only get up to my ceiling before some kind of def- like this goes back to what Jerry was saying about oh I you know is my head tricking me into this? If you can't open yourself up to the experience, your original self, your in your evolutionary soul, the one that comes in with our incarnationary soul. The difference being one dies with you, uh, Nate dies, and then becomes maybe a Nate ghost or something else. But the other one goes back up, back into the eternal realms to bring the, the lessons of life. So if you can't open yourself up to that, the incarnational aspect of you is going to yank your stuff back into you. So where I'm going with this, when I was younger, I used to float up above my bed, um, and I would get so high and then suddenly I would just kind of become aware that I was doing it and that was, it was over again. And it got to the point where I had done this a few times and I knew that I had to let go, but it's like, don't think about sex when you're fucking, you know, it's not going to be the right thing. Can I swear on the show? I'm sorry. Bring it. Yeah. Okay. We don't care shit. Okay. Fuck. Yeah. Well, anyways, I should probably preserve a modicum of professionality as it is, but oh, well, too late. The idea is that I would get afraid. I don't know if it's even afraid, but I would get too aware of it. And I just, I knew that I had to not get that way. But something at that point, I just, I couldn't stop from cognizing it. And so back into the body, I would go. I don't think I ever had the ability to, you know, or at least I never achieved takeoff, you know, like NASA. How old were you when this was going on? How old? Oh, jeepers. Um, I'd say an, an age range about between 8 till 14-ish, I'd say. Maybe a little bit after puberty hit. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to get back to that. I find it's very significant. And, of course, it's, 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 it's the gateway to OBEs. So early in, so the young... Young Nate Nate, what kind of things did you like to do? Did you have a relationship with nature? Yeah, I actually, I, I have always, so when, like, for example, when I was at summer camp, I would often get along better with girls a lot of the time. And we would spend a lot, this is the harem Jerry was talking about, apparently. Um, I would spend a lot of time with like a group of friend, girlfriends and this is totally making me, okay, anyways. The idea is we would be out and I would find like these little carved up places of rock and we could totally imagine them as like a little picnic table made out of rock and we would have lunch over there and it was just really nice. And I swear to God, we almost like, it was almost like fairies were around us. But again, I was, I was, you know, getting closer to being the age of knowing, so to speak. And that's when, uh, you know, big transformations go through with your, uh, but you, you say your um your hormones and you know that it's st- you stop being at that phase and suddenly the poltergeist activity comes in or whatever. But you know I loved nature. Well, what did I like to do? I like to read a lot. I read A Wrinkle in Time when I was eight, and it was like my favorite thing forever. Um, I liked to watch a lot of sci-fi things. I loved Star Wars. I loved the old Rankin Bass Hobbits and uh, the Lord of the Rings. Um, I like to read a lot and I don't know, I like to take electronics apart and like put them back together. I did that a couple of times. I was actually pretty good at it, but, um, I don't know. Um, I guess the, the thing that seems to pretty constant, uh, if I could ever get my hands on a piano, I would like to play piano. Um, I never really knew what the hell I was doing, but I could 
do it pretty well for someone who had just, you know, whack-a-mole tendencies. I'll tell you and, this. When I was 31, I, I decided I wanted to play. I got a bug on my ass to go, I want to play piano. So I went and found a teacher and took lessons for three years and learned some jazz piano. It, it was difficult, but worth it. That's rad, man. Yeah, so you can do it. Yeah, it's never too late, and that's a great example. It's it, seriously. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess I don't really have much else for uh, young me. My childhood was um, very happy up to a point. My, uh, my, my little – here's something else that's kind of more on the um, ethereal end of things. My, I have a little brother named Jeff. I call him Jeff Jeff, incidentally. But um, we used to be very close. And Jeff wouldn't speak. Uh, he would kind of like intimate something or even whatever. I would, I would speak for my brother for like the longest time. And one of our fondest memories, like my mom, you know, obviously my mom tells me this and she's like, oh yeah, you used to speak for him. And there was obviously some kind of link. I have a Pisces rising. Jeff has a Pisces moon. But um, we had this thing on one Christmas where we pulled up our little toy box in the bedroom. And you know those baby gates that you know you put in front of a door? We managed to push the toy box up to the baby gate, and I hoofed my, I hoisted my brother up onto the to a, uh, the toy box, and put, you know got him over the gate, and I got over the gate, and we went down and opened every single thing that Christmas. Um, it, it was it, you know, so oh, I was very close to my brother. <laughs> Sorry, how much trouble did you get in? Oh, we were kids, you know, what, yeah, it was oh. Christmas, you know, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I'm sure my dad, well, anyways, th that's not Wait, the point. Okay. So was this on Christmas that you did that? Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was thinking like, m maybe it was a little premature, but this was still when the whole Santa Claus thing was alive. Yeah. Santa was alive for a while, but anyways, um, I guess I'm just saying that cause like I was very close with my brother for a long time and, uh, you know, now, now I'm finding trouble with the thread that I had on that. But yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I had a really good childhood up until the point. But then uh, parents got divorced. And that really caused a schism. How and, old uh, were you when they got divorced? Right? Um, so you know how the separation comes first. And then Massachusetts, lots of lawyers and all these things. So I was about five or six. And okay. then things got really hard after that. There was a lot of... Um, I'm very sensitive, you know that. Uh, but just for the just for people listening, I'm very sensitive, and it was it was hard, and stuff kind of just built up, and I don't know. What I'm saying is like, what am I saying? I don't know. Um, I'm I'm trying to express something that I obviously internally want to say, but I'm I'm finding a lack of um, cognizance at how to uh, eloquently express it at the moment. Well, let's let's focus on so. I've got this, I've got this down, the divorce, you were five or six, which is key. I was, I was three and I, it was intense. It was an intense experience. I'll never forget it. Uh, were you, before this period of time, do you remember being a child that remembered dreams? Do you remember having dreams and thinking about them? Um, the earliest dreams that I remember were, Actually, interestingly enough, Secret of Nim's been coming up a lot. But um, the earliest one I remember was from about seven years old, six or seven years old. And it was, um, I've always dreamt in color. I, I know some people say, I don't understand how you can't. But um, 
it was it was basically the um girl mouse who like to me was like way older at the time and like she was just skateboarding up the hill that i was living on like blowing these huge bright pink bubblegum like and popping them you know and like i don't know i just thought it was the coolest thing like i think i've always liked skater girls or something like that but like them's the origins yo Secret of Nim's amazing. And I yep. just rewatched that again and it's it holds up. It's I mean, of course, the stuff now you watch is so loaded, but it, it affected me as well. It was it's pretty profound. It's wicked profound. Mrs. Yeah. Brisby trying to save Timothy, mm-hmm. getting the mat and then you find then I just finally made the connection that it's you know, the National Institute of Mental Health, hence why those rats were getting like super smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, right? It's, there's so much there. Yeah. It, it, it was shocking to go back and, and revisit it. Oh, it's very dark. It's a Don Bluth cartoon, I think, uh, the way that it's animated. Yeah, it's it's definitely dark. Yeah. So you, your first dream's actually after the divorce. As far as I can tell, I mean, I'm, I might not be, I might be failing to remember right now. Yeah, but it's it's what sticks out. And so that's... That's after the divorce. During so in the divorce, did you did did the house get sold and you had separate residences, or did you get to stay in the house? So in Massachusetts, um, it's very heavily weighted towards the wife or the mother or the female, however you put it. Mm-hmm. My mom got the house and my dad got the alimony payment. But um, basically, what happened was we were thrown into a lot of different daycares. Oh, I think I don't know. I think part of what I was trying to get around to was that uh, my brother and I just stopped being close. Like, it, it's like we went through a divorce ourselves. Mm-hmm. And basically, like, because now you're vying for one parent's attention and all of that. But I, I ended up, like, having to go into, like, um, these after-school programs. Like, so the state really got their claws in me at an early age. It was, like, mm-hmm. preschool and then kindergarten with after-school or, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I saved all my like really deep personal material for Knox Mente, by the way. Just, and I know, I know quite a bit of it too, which is I know it's in there. Well, you're I'm very comfortable with you, and so yeah. maybe, maybe I'm being way more open than I'll, I'll like listen to this later and be like, oh shit. But, <laughs> well, uh, we love each other. Well, I love you. We're not the ones listening, of course, but I know. <laughs> so thank you for the vote of confidence. So, so back here in the the young days, did you have fears? So, and so I want to kind of chop things up, be if we can, to like pre-divorce and then right after. So, after being like up and from you know after up until like the teen period. So pre-divorce, did you have fears like under the bed, the closet stuff? No. Dark. Um. Actually, the dark. I used to sleep for the longest time with my light on. I used to also have this belief that I didn't want to go to sleep because I wanted to have every waking moment possible because I knew I was going to die. I've always been familiar with death for as long as I can remember. Um, I was always keenly aware that we would die and that, you know, I wanted to stay awake as much as possible, but also I really like to keep the light on a lot at night. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know. The, Answers. Those were them. Take them. So let's talk about death for a second on this end of it. Why were you afraid of death? Do you like now looking back? So not from your perspective here, but looking back, what about death as a young, a child scared you? So just to did most of us, Nathan. Well, to make sure that I'm being clear, it wasn't death that I was afraid of. 
it was not living and i don't mean that like it's not i'm not i'm it was the dark that i was mostly afraid of um at at points i i was just keenly aware of death i wasn't so much afraid of it i just wanted to be awake as much as possible to experience life but um it was it was the darkness that i was afraid of okay all right excellent and then what about religion in your household we were Easter and Christmas Methodists. So okay. I grew up basically yeah. Methodist. My father was a businessman for a long time. And later in life, he became a pastor. So now he's a pastor. But, oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. Interestingly enough, like he was a minister, whatever the word is. I forget the denomination, but he, um, he okay. So he was a pastor at a place called, at a church called Compass Point. And it actually, I found out later, held its services in a Masonic temple in Maine. Later on, that would end up being the temple that my father took his three degrees in. Oh, wow. There's another great circular event. Right. And speaking of circulars, that's what you use compasses to draw. So, you know. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, that's excellent. So, so you didn't really... What were your... And I think this is because you, you know, might be probing a little bit... Uh, more personal but just because i know you what was your relationship with the idea of god early on oh i I think i've gone through several phases um one i never really thought about it like the world was just mind-blowing to me um a lot of things like i asked my my mom told me like what was i like as i was like what was i like as a kid and she's like she she said this to me she looks, she turns, she looks at me and she says, very serious. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And um, God, to me, I never really had any conceptions of it. That was something that came much later uh, after. And I went through like, not even, I, I, I've never really been atheistic. I've just kind of been very materialistic at times. Like we're talking sex, drugs, rock and roll kind. Yeah. And, but I've always had a keen awareness that there are metaphysical aspects to our existence from energy cultivation and qigong and mantak cha stuff you know multiple orgasmic man was a hugely influential book in my life um back like in my early 20s uh that, that's when i got into the Tao de jing but um you know i've always kind of had a feel for archetypes and like i love stoner culture like yeah. there's something about stoner culture like i've i've always like i'm like stoner culture is one of the coolest things like i remember being really high when I was like 17 and like, I just, I could, I was conceptualizing like how great food is when you're stoned and there's certain foods for stoners and like all of these archetypes just made sense. Of course, um, the plant was like living through us, but um, <laughs> you know, in that animistic sense, right. It's perpetuating and it has a soul like ayahuasca and ibogaine yes. or whatever. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah. But um, I don't know. Pink Floyd is like my favorite band. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm just encapsulating it. Like, I can geek out with you any day in Floyd, and you know this. Pink Floyd is so pivotal in my life. I mean, it's there just aren't words for it, nope. and especially being stoned or, or for me, back in the day on acid yep. and just diving into that music. The nuance is so there. Oh, it's so perfect. It's amazing. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. It, and it takes you places and it opens yeah. up gates. Pink Floyd yeah. is way more than I think they even know. And I think that they did have a good idea 
So to your two points that you just said, I'm going to bring up the two spoken parts of their most recent album, The Endless River. When you said, uh, I'll go to your latter point first, this, um, the, the sum is greater than its parts. They mentioned mm-hmm. in the opening. So like you just said, they're more than they know. And then when you said it's, it's uh, I'm failing to remember, recollect what you said, but they had a song that was the only one with singing on their last album called Louder Than Words. And it was like, you said it was more than just what they said or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, it's louder than their words. It's louder than words. Yeah, exactly. Very meta. And, exactly. And so, yeah, I'm Wasn't there. Wasn't there a hairband song in the 90s? <laughs> was it? No, it was more than words. Never mind. There was a song. There was like a soft rock song by Metallica or something. I believe you. Gary, you should check that and check it. I'm going to find it. Jerry will find it. Nineties bands. The I think Tool is pretty much the inheritor of the crown of Pink Floyd. Tool Tool came on like a hurricane. It's by Extreme. Ah, it's this. It did sound familiar, Jerry, when you said 1990. that. Nineteen ninety. Oh, oh yeah. Right. Nineteen ninety was pivotal. It was on the um, por- porno graffiti album. Oh, cool. That makes me think of porno for pyros. Yeah. Yes. Chains. Oh yeah, dude. I remember it. I actually remember it. I have a I'm having a memory. So the the Floyd, we in Des Moines, we had a we'd go to the laser light show at the science center. Jelly. Dude. (laughs) Literally out of this world. So you're just you're out of this world. It was so epic. So completely great. The the last uh, planetarium experience I had when I was out in Hollywood, uh going out to meet Gordon White at Chaotic Good. And that was on seven seven, and it was synchronicity city there. But um, yeah, um, planetariums and laser lights and things like that, mixed with Pink Floyd's music, I can only imagine would be like the next step to heaven on this realm. Yes, yeah. Oh, and and just adding the LSD factor, yeah, just totally. Yeah, took it. I actually told um Jim Egan I was down at the Newport Tower for the uh, the uh, Equinox today, and I told Jim Egan my LS one of my LSD stories which I think I've told you, I've only taken it like twice or three times. And this time was at, uh, when I met Alex Gray. And anyways, I guess I'm jumping ahead of myself. But, um, no, go carry on. Um, I, I just have to say my wayward son. I, I, I couldn't stop myself. All right. <laughs> Those archetypes working through us. Um, goodness gracious me. Um, yeah, I no, I that song so much. I do too. It's Kansas, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. The great um, Kansas. And then, then there's the, then we can tie it around to uh, Dark Side of the Moon and Wizard of Oz, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, uh, and especially like uh, because like, I'm just jumping back again, like because we, uh, my father would live like a bazillion miles away in Gardner, so a lot of my youth was spent getting MK Ultra the fuck out of by mm-hmm. like loud rock music in Walkman, and mm-hmm. I must have listened to Full Moon Fever by Tom Petty and uh, Nevermind by Nirvana like countless times just like on repeat like in the back of a car yeah now nirvana came on like a like a a hurricane too tool and nirvana both had that same like heavy all of a sudden they were just bowling everyone over yeah well that's because they were of substance it's because they were at the they were kings of archetype they were um yeah and i mean kurt cobain was my hero like growing up i i used to think i was going to die at 27 i i was severely upset in a way or shocked or surprised that i survived past that point well that's and you know that's programming and so 
it's but it's also perfect programming because it's the cult of saturn and there's something you do if you're if you're walking the path uh especially through the spheres saturn does kill you and and again then saturn always gives something back and then you're reborn through it and so through the sphere and uh, you up again like a child light and innocent yes well unless you unless you know everything is kind of you know kosher you know for some people sail right through it because they just for, you know the foundation was solid but a lot of us wanderer types that are have heavily aspected charts in particular saturn comes in and says uh come back over here you know you got faulty you know capstone or whatever dude my saturn return was yeah, I was lucky enough to get a freaking sat- Saturn when almost like two degrees before my Saturn mm-hmm. retrograded. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and I, okay, so I, about this time, I got engaged to a woman. Um, I call her a I woman. I did but, not know this. This is juicy. Oh, look at that juice. Um, this girl I get engaged to, I go down on my knee. That was a no agenda reference, by the way. Just people who got it. Good for you. Um, thank you for your coverage. Um, so what happened was I go down on my knee at this. She loves horses. And we're down at this private horse trainer's private beach. His name is Bob Arelli. He had a house down in Plymouth. And we go down on this private beach. I go down on my knees, or knee, I suppose, right? And the surf. So there's all these like huge archetypes going on. It's beautiful. It's just really epic. And I have an heirloom ring because at that time I just, you know, that's what, you know, I could, I could afford an heirloom ring. It was a beautiful sapphire, sapphire diamond deal, beautiful 24 karat gold, all this. I go to put it on her finger. Now, people who are listening, you're going to have to imagine you have the hand pointing upwards. So the ring slides down onto the hand. You don't have the freaking hand pointing at the water. Duh. I put the ring on her finger. I put the ring on her finger. And this is all, this is just part of my Saturn's return. The ring launches like electromagnetic pulses off of her finger into the surf. It's gone. Sign upon sign among signs. I'm telling you, this was, she should not have been in my life. She was a, that was a wreck of a relationship. I'll, I'll say this. She was like a vault. So anyways, that oh. happened. <laughs> that happened. That was just part of the Saturn's return. But, it, you know, I got, I got my clock cleaned. Pun, yes. Pun not intended. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm quite pleased with myself. No, um, I, I really got the, sh- the, the shnikes kicked out of me. And uh, then a whole new phase of my life started. And right about after the Saturn's return was about uh, 2014, 2015, when I started to you know, wake up to all of this stuff. And it really feels like I'm on a path right now. And it's really bizarre because we're only like we're... Me am only like three years into this, what, maybe four years into this now. I'm a completely different, more aware person than I was, even than three months ago, mind you. Just there's another levels within levels, of course. Yes. Like, yes. I had no idea like that tarot was real, that zodiac was real, that there was planets that were aligned like Saturn Day. Really? Mars is Tuesday, you know? And yeah. all of this stuff is all new to me. And I feel like I'm. I'm learning to swim at a pretty proficiently rapid rate here, you know? Well, there couldn't be a better time because of, of the information that's available now easily. 
Oh, and, yeah. and for that, for everyone that wants to complain about how easy it is to get your hands on all this information, at the same time, I've always, I'm a big believer in this, that the, the words find the people and, and the ways find the people. Yep. You, you can, a person can have a library full of the best occult books and never have picked up any of it. They just collected it. Yep. Those words mean nothing. It's meaningless. It's, it's there. So yeah. for those that are seeking, the words are there. The ways are yeah. there. Oh, yeah. When the student's ready, the teacher smacks you upside the head and says, hey, dumbass, where the hell you been? Absolutely. And it, I mean, it's a stupid pun. It's a stupid meme. It's a stupid yeah. cliche. I heard, I heard, sorry. No, carry on, Jerry. I was going to say, I heard um, Crow777, mm-hmm. one of his recent podcasts, he was talking about that he felt he was ready and no, no mentor came forward. And I made the point, well, that's when you started your podcast and hasn't that been a good teacher? See? You have to have the perspective too. Sometimes you just exactly, exactly. Things never happen the way we want it, and that's this is part of the problem with say like the Hollywood conditioning. You know, like with being you know events that are just boom, 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 big and in your face. Well, these are symbols, and it's the same way with all the good stuff with the teachers. And Jerry's example is exactly perfect right there there he starts this podcast and there he is you know instead of some shining one coming forth or the burning bush yeah and we're all getting the lessons that we in a way you're you're getting the lesson that you are ready for i'm familiar with certain people's works and i can see how you know maybe the path that they're going on that's their that's their karma that's their dharma that they need to live out Mm -hmm. it's not going to bring them to this that the other thing it's going to bring them here or there and I mean, I'm, this is not besmirching anyone's path. Because right. I believe. Absolutely. No, I mean, we are all, I, I firmly, I mean, in my clearest of selves, when I'm nice and as ego free as I can be, like, I firmly believe in the secretity of every single human. Like, it, it, you can bring it down to animals and everything, but I'm just mm-hmm. humans. I firmly believe that all of us are brothers and sisters. I really firmly believe that we are all sacred and divine beings. Now, I'm with you. Uh, there, of course, there's frustration levels and all this, but oh, in yeah. the end, we're all here. Even we're all here seeking on some level, even if we're not aware that we are. You know, the people that are just on the wheel, moving fast. At some at some point, that winds down, and then and then you catch up. Your time frame is not mine. Right. And so being frustrated that someone else can't see what you see or come to the realizations you've come to is, is hubris. I'm sure there's a lot of ways we could look at it, but that's definitely one aspect of it for sure. I, I think it's good to keep it reeled in and focused on yourself. Yeah, and me too. Because you're that's- not going to be able to change anyone else anyways. No, and that's, that's a hard lesson. A lot of times yep. people learn, as with all really intense lessons we learn these when we come into a dance with someone else right this is when By the way, <laughs> relationships are where the big main stage is also I, you need to look at it from the perspective that it's your opinion and you're forcing your will on someone else in a way mm-hmm. by trying to make them yeah to believe your your side of things so by the way nish i love dancing like that's one of my that's you know the thing that you love to do the most but like you're also the most afraid to do mm-hmm love dancing love it nate nate we should tango sometime 
I think you want me to learn how to do that first. Elsewise, it's going to look like a blender on a dance floor. Well, I know, but it's so you're like the perfect kind of guy to tango. Really, honestly, you've got whatever that is. There's something in you. I can just see you rocking that. I I really I my my Muladara chakra is like resonating right now because I think you're act you're act you're act you're actuating a real core truth about my this one incarnation. Yes. Well, you know, let's make that happen. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna tango with my Nate Nate someday. All right, so let's tango <laughs> back to the past Ooh. a little bit more. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> So after the divorce, yep. which was a bit tumultuous oh, boy. emotionally, and I'm sh- I can imagine because for me, mine created the great complex of abandonment, uh-huh. which is a hardcore one to live with. And Yo. it's you know what? It's super common. We're not alone in it, which is great. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's, it's it's almost schizophrenic in a way but no i feel you I, i'm not being condescending whatsoever i mean like it's almost like you know we're not we're we're you know the whole thing like it's oh god like those song lyrics that are like i've never been more alone than when i'm with you yes kind of, you know but like what i'm saying is like it's like we are we are joined by our aloneness in a way i don't know yes well it, again another could be construed as a as a cliche but this is a reality the, our our aloneness actually connects us the fact that we're all in this together is something that i think is a stance people need to pull up to more often and it's you know, there's a lot of nuance here because people, you know, a lot of times I think of organized stuff, like a lot of organized religion to me seems kind of cultish. And so it can be frustrating to see how locked out of the rest of the world people within in these organizations get, how how blinded they are with, you know. Yeah. But again, that's that's their will and that's their path. It's none of my business unless it's coming to my door in a bad way yeah like excuse me ma'am do you have uh i made a joke about how i don't proselytize with the tarot today i said excuse me ma'am but do you, do you have time to talk about our lord and savior the death card <laughs> i know that's right so after after the divorce yeah and this is really when the fireworks happen is there so you you start having this dream dream world how did things change for you how did things change for you the general landscape of your life and so we can move up to eight or nine or you know we can move up to teenage angst and all that when did that form the next phase of you well i'll tell you something that comes to mind about being eight or nine i used to i had a second grade teacher named mrs sullivan or ms sullivan she was catholic and she never married and never had kids and she lives at she I don't know what's become of her, and this distresses me to a degree. But um, she lived at Oliver Optic's house, a famous house in Medway, and I would go down the street because I lived down the street from her, and um, I would garden with her, and she would make milk. She would give me milk and cookies, and we would play with her cats and stuff like that. And she had these great Maine Coon cats, and she was just—I don't know—I just loved being around her. But that's oh, something. Oh God, I, Maine Coons are my favorite. I know, I know. I had to bring that up because they're. <laughs> They're part of my story too. Um, they are wonderful kitties, kit kits. Huge. And, uh, well, like they're just they're just great. 
I mean, yeah. they can be sassy as sassy AF, but um, so any cat really, but um, so I would just garden with her and it was just nice. It, it was something from that area. It was a respite in an otherwise tumultuous time that I was cast out of my comfort zone and into these very Pink Floydian wall-esque um, scenarios that really had a deep fundamental impact on my oh-so-sensitive Pisces rising psyche. And there was just, I don't know, like, it was a very um, inhospitable environment that I often found myself in. And I don't, I don't think, I don't besmirch anyone else in the common uh, culture of our, you know, oppression-based education system. I'm not taking away from anyone else's. I would simply say that I really do note that these, I'm much, I, I am very sensitive, you know. Do that so, wasn't answering your question. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's it's part. It's all part of it, Nathan. What about so? How did you find yourself in the dreamscape at this time? That was real tumultuous for you, especially with this this watery energy you had and the emotional tides running through. The dreams I find hard to remember. Um, honestly, um, I feel like it's pertinent to mention that when I got closer to like. 14 ish, maybe 14 to 17, I saw a fair amount of shadow people. Yeah. So I could see beings, interdimensional beings, call it what you will. But like, that's, that's the closest thing I can like tether to what we're talking about right now. My mind seems to be putting up a lot of defenses right now. Oh, of course. We're talking about dark stuff and we're talking about it from the deep past. And, uh, and that's fine. Of course. Well, natural. Could I please say something quickly? I'm sorry. I this really. You can say something slowly and drawn out too. <laughs> all right, darling. I'll tell you all about this. Um, so, a, a very kind person on Twitter the other day offered to do for the first 20 people uh, a one tweet ta- um, zodiac chart reading, and he said, "Basic." And uh, maybe I can show notes this for you guys or whatever. But the pertinent part to what I'm saying is a large part of my story is going back to move forward. And I mean, you can take it what you will from any, uh, uh, what am I saying? From any natal chart reader, but I feel like I could just tell he really hit the nail on the head. Part of my story is to help others through these unfamiliar spiritual landscapes, mentioning the Holy gift, mentioning just the fact that I, I talk about the stuff that I do in the way that I do. It's a large part of this, I feel like, is because I know what it's like. We've talked about this without any detail. I'll say we know what it's like to go through the crucible. And a large part of my story right now is getting myself so I can not get shaken by what I perceive as attacks or negative energy or whatever, but just really rise to the occasion of being there to help other people when they need it and to teach them how to move forward as well without any bones about it. That's the, he, saw, he talked about a large part of my story is to help people through unfamiliar spiritual territory. A large part of it is going backwards to go forward. I completely agree. This makes, this makes sense to me. And in the end, what, what we put out is, you, you know, it's, it's the on and on and on with above, below, in, out. It is what we do and how we treat others that is, it, that's all the reflection. It's really how we're doing this to ourselves. Yes. How are we, how are we encountering ourselves, which is the other in the outer world, which is how we 
encounter our projection of the outer world. Others are just screens. They, they have their own stories and you're a screen for them, especially the closer in we get. But it's, you know, this is, this is why some of the great existential writers, you know, they really nailed this stuff and the surrealist painters and all that really nailed these. Yeah. Ideas. Like Victor Frankl and Eric Fromm. Yes. Uh, people, oh my God. Like that resonates with me uh, more than most things. I, those two guys uh, very much. So um, I, I love how they talk about love and mm-hmm. how essential it is and i'm starting to get very emotional suddenly but i really um you know for all the fire that i project myself with that the occult fan picture that people are familiar with that's me keeping my uh, i think i told this to jerry the other day i gave a good synopsis of it that's me keeping my cool my focus and my creativity in the midst of being surrounded by that holy electric fire from the that like the ark of the covenant would give off mm-hmm. so what I'm saying is that I hope that uh, in the description of the picture, I kind of lost my thread, but what I, what I think I'm trying to say is that no, no matter all of these, ah, geez. Yeah. I lost the thread for a second. It's okay. That's all right. It'll come back to you. I play Mercury retrograde. (laughs) I was born (laughs) under one. Catering. I usually, as I said to Jerry and in one of his tweets, a rose is still a rose baby. Uh, It is so between 14 and 17, the shadow people give us, tell us about the shadow people and and what is going on in that experience. What are the shadow people? How do you experience them? I, I, I refer to, I'm going to remember the point I was trying to make earlier, by the way, by the end. Right. And then, and then just interject it back in baby. Oh yes. (laughs) Um, you know, now my mind's preoccupied. Um, basically that was an extremely hard time for me. Um, I'm, I really want to come out and say about like what my story has been like, but that also like, you know, I hear so many people say like, never be honest. Don't tell people your weaknesses. And a lot of, and I, I can see their virtue. It's very Machiavellian. It's very cold, but it's also, there's some harsh truths to this world as well. But um, without going too deep into it, that time period of my life from 14 to about 17. And then again, from, you know, spottingly up until 23, that was an extremely tumultuous period of my life. Um, I was heavily medicated. They threw me on tons of different pills. They would have to draw my blood like every week. It, when I was like 13, right before all of that really hit the fan, hit the occult fan, ouch. Um, basically what happened was I was falling asleep in class because they put me on these pills. My science teacher would like, I'd wake up, I'd come to a jolt and she'd be like screaming at me and all, you know, like making a, making an example of me in front of the whole class. Like, dude, my fucking system's being shut down by chemical salts. Like, you know, so that was rough. And then I, I did not basically make it past uh, eighth grade. There was this thing where I ended up having to go to all these other alternative schools and things like that where they would march you to classes in a line and stuff. And, you know, you'd wake up and a nurse is giving you pills and it was just, it was a real mess. And that was a very highly emotional time, obviously. And I would call these uh, beings that I would see from time to time. I call them dashers uh, because, and I'm giving you that background to understand that there's, that's the background I was going through. Um, that These things would like dash at you as if to try to like, you know, get a rise out of you. Sometimes they would dash right by you. 
but uh, it was very seldom that I would see something like that. And it was just stationary. It was always something that I caught in uh, a flux of motion. And it was, it was never more than like 10 feet away. So I feel like with an, a minor amount of occult knowledge now, uh, they were obviously trying to get my attention or to get some kind of energy, energetic vampirism off of my um, heightened emotional reaction. But yeah, it was a tough time. In this, and you know, I know about this period. Yeah, I know you know. You know uh, about the whole thing. It, it, well, it's I'm 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 you know I'm glad that you're willing to share and that you are so open because you are you are actually a very open person. I'm not going to be able to help people if they. I think this is essentially the point I was trying to make. Like, I want people to know that what they go through, it's okay. You know, we can get through this. We just have to be trusting, and we have to be open, and we have to be honest. You don't have to be. But the alchemy happens when you are. It does. And in the end, it's easier. We, everything's a story. We're always creating stories anyway. Whether, whether they're rooted in what is considered truth or imagination, it does not matter. It's all story swimming. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's in the imagination has very real effects in the world. Yes. Well, it could be said that the world is just collective imagination. I also get on board with that. I, I do I do very much appreciate the dream hypothesis in a way. It's also possible that all of our thoughts with enough energy and intention create new timelines, dimensions, pocket universes, yeah. what have oh, you. Without a doubt. Right. And is that you know, is that like part of the Mandela effect? No. I well I'd be willing to entertain that as well, but um, maybe we don't want to go down that route right now. Save that for a deeper discussion. I mean, we yeah. could do a six of cups with the two of you guys on there sometime, and yeah. we can just go crazy with that. Sweet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to throw that in there. Right so, on. with with this period with the dashers and all that, were you and so? I've heard different stories with different meds and people, and how some. People just don't dream on on certain meds, and so oh, yeah, have crazy dreams on different meds. How like, did it like Shantix, right? Uh, yeah, I don't, I've never drug. been on meds, so I don't know. I was on Chantix for a couple of weeks. Crazy, vivid dreams. Really? Oh, yeah, I've yeah. Hallucination. I mean, that would kind of make oh, me yeah. want to take it. <laughs> I know. I, w- I wish I could get a prescription for it and take it again, even though I don't smoke. It would be pretty interesting. Just to work out some dream stuff. Just to work on going lucid. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if that's the healthiest way to go about it, but hey, whatever, right? So on your meds, Nathan, did how did that affect your dream time? Um, I really I the anecdote I can only come up with right now is one time I was given um some new kind of forget what it was, um don't want, don't know why my ego is blocking me saying this. It was probably some kind of antipsychotic or something, mm-hmm. but I was perfectly fine and lucid before that. But then, um, what happened was I, if you've ever seen Aphex twins um, come to, no, not come to daddy, um, window liquor. Oh yeah. Yes. Video with the crazy chicks yes. with the messed up faces. Yes. Well, they, I saw like three of those, like on my ceiling, like jumping down at me. It was <laughs> hellish. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So, so your dreams were fantastic. Like, if that's a clue of that's one that you recall, they were. I, well, no, that was a real lived hallucination. Like in my waking state, that was oh, an actual okay. hallucination. So, um, 
under the meds, did everything kind of have a dream quality then, your waking life? I don't think so. Um, I'm already dreamy as it is in a way with the Pisces and such rising. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I, I'm trying to answer your question, and I don't really have a good recollection of uh, dreams from that era. Um, well, that's all, you know, that's all I'm trying to get at is is to see you know what what was your relationship with at the base level and on union since you're unconscious which is where do we encounter that is in the dream realm i think my dreams were blocked off i i I, that's what i feel like saying right now because like there was other extenuating circumstances and i feel like that i might have been like very like too doped up to dream yeah I heard that some of the meds, like I said earlier, were that's one of the side effects, if you want to call it that. But that's one of the uh, that's one of the things aspects that's actually baked in is to stifle or stifle or create a blockage with dream content. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, uh, because he's one of my magical mentors, I'm going to keep bringing up Gordon White. But he does talk about the feeling is mutual. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about in Chaos Protocols, I believe it is, uh, he, I think he's quoting Jake Stratton Kent by saying that there's a war on dreaming. And that's, this is where the, uh, the war must be fought. And it's very Grant Morrison invisibly. Uh, when yes. you, yeah. But it's so it true. Is, it is so, so true. So that could Solaris be what's Solaris Blue Raven talks about this too a lot. Yeah, but, does? but I Solaris. think. She does, and I think her perspective, and and not that this isn't happening, but she's only talking about the technological dream incursions versus the the organic ones, if you will. Yes. Hollywood, for instance, and the narrative and the media. That all drives, you know, the imagination, which gets in your dreams. I mean, there's a lot to be said about that. Um, but like, uh, pills are a technology too, I guess is like the way we could like tie that back around. But yeah, to keep me from dreaming is to keep me from having a, a, a soul dialogue. It's literally like a tourniquet for the soul. And yes. Yeah. I mean like, okay. So here's one thing I remember when I was like, like, this is so Alex Gray, when he was a kid used to draw like a portrait of death a lot. When I was younger, like when I was like 12, I had a, a sigil. I didn't even know what a sigil was, but I had created this thing. Like it just seemed to encapsulate how I felt. And um, no one likes the hangman archetype. Uh, saw a picture of tools, uh, an old picture of tool and their old bassist was wearing a hangman t-shirt. And of course he was out of the band and they had a new bassist come in. But <laughs> I, I had this, um, it was, um, Dude, yeah, you know what's up. So what happened was uh, I would draw, you know, the old hangman game, and uh, like a seven with a, a little, you know, base at the bottom. I had a guy, I, I, my the symbol that I used to call my symbol for myself was, um, and now I can see that I should have known I was a Libra son, not a Virgo, but hey, anyways. Um, this guy was hanging down. His head was lobbed to one side. He was obviously, a, you know, he had been hanged. And uh, his, out in each hand, he in one hand, he held a skull. And the other a rose. The rose had a drop of blood coming off of it, mm-hmm. and and at the base of him, he had like um an anchor almost of like iron or lead, and it was a downward pointing arrow that was like pulling him more and more into reality. 
Uh, now I'm adding a cult meaning to it, but it was just an arrow, like an, uh, an arrow tip that was at his feet. And mm-hmm. there's usually a drop of poison or blood coming off of that. So I was, I was a real fucking charmer. I was really uh, fun, to, you know, real happy kid. So, well, I like this though, even though this is, or this is in that period of time, you were still, you're still processing in any way you can these deeper layers of meaning. Yeah, I was always very creative. Uh, that was one thing. Like, I, I might not have been happy, but like, I was always, I've always been writing poetry. I love writing poetry. Um, I do quite well performing it. I have a very emotive and powerful um, projection quality to myself. Uh, when I was a kid, like my top job that I wanted to be was probably I wanted to be an actor. Like I just thought there was just, I mean, thank God. Casting oh, Leo Moon. I <laughs> yes. Well, and my Leo Moon too, you know, and I'll tell this just because I, because my Leo Moon wants you to know this. And my uh, Leo Moon wants to hear it. <laughs> all right. Now I'll buckle up. So what happened was I, um, it's the only thing is that um, you guys all remember the great American eclipse so-called back in 2017. Yes. Uh, that my, my Leo Moon did that. The 28 degree Leo Moon was the one that caused the eclipse, so to speak. You and, and I, Trump. I, Trump's got one too. Oh, Trump's got a Leo Moon? Pretty he, sure. He definitely has a Leo um, strong aspect in his chart. I, but oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I don't think definitely. he had the 28 degree Leo Moon. I don't. I, no, I don't, I don't think it's that high. As a Leo Moon, I'll say, no, that's my moon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, you know, nothing against, nothing against, nothing against Biff Tannen, nothing against uh, King Koopa or whatever is Donald Trump, WWF star, but um, nothing against him. God bless him. Yada, yada. But, um, you know, no, don't, no, you can't have my moon. Go, shoot. Oh. <laughs> so, all right. So, you know, this is funny. I keep getting these flashes when we're talking about this period of your life that was very, um, we had a lot of swords going on, frankly, where you had a lot of squaring energy going on, which is this period where you're medicated, all this tumultuous stuff. And I can't help but think about Legion, the show, the the graphic novels. There's just some sort of parallel that is happening for me in hearing the narrative. And of course, it's one of my favorites. You should know that. Of course, I'll have I mean, to read it. It's amazing. I will, um, that's going on my list, like without a doubt. I, I, I'm, I get that feeling right now. So yeah, I'll do. You that. watch the series? No, I, I'm no, spo- you know, no spoilers, darling. As River Song says. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a, you must find yourself in view. Of I prefer that. to read. Is it a graphic novel, comic book, whatever? Yeah, it started that way, and then there's, but the they've outdone themselves with the the series is one of the best ever. It's so good. Okay, I'll check it out. Um, I love graphic novels. Like, I have like a ton of fables. Um, when I I went to this, uh, I just like to tie this back around before you go to the Legion thing. Um, I went to a men's group, so people are familiar with Christopher Penzak. He does a lot of witchcraft books. I've attended his Temple of Witchcraft a few times, and we did a men's group, and we did this um, worship to Kefra. And the next day after I did the Kefra thing, I found that when I was doing the Kefra worship. Uh, my omnibus of the Invisibles had arrived. And of course, anyone who's read the Invisibles, and this is not a spoiler, 
uh, on the very first page, he, he's talking about Kefra and how we have returned again. So it, was, it was like one of those mind-blowing synchronicities. Like, so, see, I'm one of those people, like, uh, Legion's like, it's, we used to call them comic books, but it's so... Yeah. I don't know where that... And that is just a funny, weird part of our language because so many of them are completely prophetic and not ha-ha comics. I don't know. So, it's a mincing of language. I mean, uh, one way to look at it is just like someone who's trying to sound... Uh, I'm not talking about you, but it's just like, I feel like there's a lot of that. the criticism about calling it a graphic novel is just trying to make it sound sophisticated. No? Yeah, I would, I, I would like to... I just didn't want the backlash. I'm going to get it no matter what, always, especially people that are real diehard geeks for it. Uh, but I, I just was trying to save myself some of that. So well, all right. I'll, I'll take the hit. People you should know, read the weather. People should. For me, baby. <laughs> you know I will. Uh, people, pe- that's 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 what my lion heart is for. Um, but yeah, I really think that people should read the Weatherman. That's one to get into. They just completed their first six volume arc. Holy crap! Just read the Weatherman. Yeah. Also, the character's name is Nathan, and there's crazy things with that. But anyways, yeah, good good one. Good to know. Good to know there. So bring us. Bring us forward now, and let's get some of the. You gave us a little bit of the dream arc, the, the dreamscape, that it's color and all that. Is there a familiarity with it? Are there places you know and go to? Uh, all that kind of stuff. What's the architecture look like? I have a few ways to answer this. Um, gosh, so many things, but um. I don't know. There was this one. There was this one place that felt like hauntingly familiar, and it was actually what I referred to as the ghost house. I was about twenty-three, and it was like probably the most scary place that I've ever been. Um, I it was there was not like really anything there. It was just it almost felt like an old camp cabin in the woods, but that's not doing it justice because at the same time it was this um, attic of like some old haunted house. But like, it's just something about being there. It felt very off. If anyone's ever seen the, um, the, I'm using quotes, air quotes, scare quotes, documentary spirit space, there's this one quick flash where they show a graveyard and it's like jagged static. I don't know. It's just like something about the place felt off. It, it felt very, um, you could use the term Lovecraftian, but that's not the right term. But um, that's just one place that's always stuck out. And I was like, I'm going on Knox Mente. I have to mention the ghost house. But um, that, as far as ge- geography or places that I return to, I can't really say that there's really anything consistent or familiar at this point. I've, I've learned that I was awa- I've made myself aware that I was dreaming at certain points. So I'm like, oh, I'm in, a fucking dream. I'm in the dream world right now. And then I would start to manipulate it and fly or, um, you know, and yes, I do do the, uh, the swimmy type thing. Usually when I start to fly, just to get that question out of the way, I do, I think, but, um, I would be able to manipulate certain things, but then it always, it, at certain times, it felt like there was other forces in there with me and there have been battles. And, um, to segue from there, there was this one of my most potent dreams that I've ever had. I was, you know, those, um, children's museums where you can kind of like crawl through those little spaces. You know, there's like those different layers and they're like stacked different. Um, I don't know if you guys have these, but they're like little they're, they're little play areas that are like stacked with different like 
a scant platforms and you crawl through them and stuff like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. So I was making my way through one of those and there was this thing that was chasing me and it was pretty much like I knew whatever it was, was going to be like the scariest thing that I had ever seen. And at one point it was just about to catch me and I knew that I had to face it. So I turned around and it was like this, the archetype of like a skeleton's face in a spacesuit. You know, you could see it in the beginning of like Scooby-Doo. They have something like that. Like a lot of cartoons use it. It's in a lot of different things. Like in Doctor Who too, they have one. But like I saw it and I was like, no. I somehow had a, I write a lot in pencil. I had a, I had a yellow pencil in my hand and I just jammed it right down into the thing's head. And it, the look of surprise on its face, it was shocked that I stood up to it and I killed it dead. And the dream ended. Ooh, very good. So. I don't know. That's just some of the dreams. I don't have geography, but that's what I got for you for now. Well, I wanted. <clears throat> I want more of the battle stuff. Can you pull up some of that? Do you in Nox Mente a little bit ago I shared this this was um this was far oh, left on the to, server on the Discord. Right. On the Discord, I shared a dream and I'm gonna have it was much more vivid as I remembered it, but this is a much more recent one. But uh, it was some big old fight. You know, at different points it was kind of comedic and surreal, and I was helping Adam Curry of No Agenda escape a bunch of glitterati paparazzi. <laughs> And uh, he just kind of like scooted off into a building. But um, there was another part where I was carrying this girl. It's like, oh, my God. Like, you talk about dream girl. No pun intended. Like, she was a redhead, like, dressed in the skimpy space outfit. Just fantastic body. And, you know, any girl for me is going to have to be extremely intelligent and empathetic and creative. So she was all of those. She was, like, the perfect package. And I was carrying her down this hallway. And like, I had to like leave her there so I could go off and fight this thing. But then I went to reconnoiter with my team and like these ghosts, these like six or seven really different looking scare, you know, really cool colored ghosts. They were kind of goofy, but they started to float out the wall. We're like, no, we can't let them hear our plans. So I threw down this, like, I, the name was in my head. It had this really cool name, but all I can call it right now is ghost be gone. But like, uh, yeah. There was a battle going on, but it was nothing much dramatic. That was it was more like that kind of stuff. That's that's what I can remember right now. The very first thing I think of when I hear something like that, when when you're describing the dream girl, is that you know your anima. Oh my god! Keep going. Yes. No. I just want to say that that's what I think. So. Well, I'm glad you said that because I would have felt like ass. If I had gone through this and not brought this up, an anima. There you go, Jerry. Thank you for being the lowest butt of the joke. No, I didn't hear what she said. I was I was making puns. History is like oftentimes uh, our dream. Our dream other is the anima or the animus. Oh, it's anima. Okay. Yeah. Anima. Yeah. Well, no, no. But Jerry, you're right. Tool took anima uh, and anima and enema and made the album anima. So it's not like you're wrong. You're you're picking up on a good uh, play on words, mm -hmm. which is amazing. Oh my God, because you need to use the female spirit to cleanse that area 
this gets dirty if you want to think of it that way, but is they're talking about the metaphor of using the female spirit and cleansing that over masculine, uh, over hierarchical, very sexually exploitative, uh, sexually, you know, I, I don't know what the word is, uh, gratuitously exploitative, uh, you know, Hollywood culture and LA itself. And then, you know, literally the land sinking into the water and being subsumed by it. All, all the while they're saying you need to learn to swim in your subconscious and have that subconscious be mated with your conscious, which is, of course, when we talked about the war on my dreams earlier, and I'm saying me, but, you know, using pills to stop you from dreaming or any other myriad of meaning of war on dreaming, you can see there's another connection there. But they're talking about, you know, learning how to di dialogue with your soul. If you're doing that, you're not going to be, you know, uh, on those exploitative levels. Uh, I'm, I'm making fast and quick connections here, but that's basically the story. But um, I had a dream recently where I met my anima. And that's why I said I, w I did not want to go through this without sh sharing this. She was, I was in a kitchen uh, in this really beautiful, just picturesque cottage and it was my daughter and she was like nine to 12 she was about the age of going into womanhood you know so-called like um puberty hormones change and i'm trying to empathize and be very clear and in, in, in correct with my dialogue with her and i said honey you know how you've been going through changes throughout your whole life and you've seen how you've grown up from a little girl and now you're getting bigger and you're growing and changing well you're about to go through much more intense changes and so i'm trying to prepare her for what it's going to be like when she starts to go through puberty basically in the dream that's what i'm doing i realized and she's this beautiful little blonde girl just blue eyes pale skin just a just a wonderful little child and i'm talking to my own soul and i'm telling myself that this period of growth that I'm in right now and that I'm going through, this is about to be another intense level of change for me. Whatever we're heading towards, whatever I'm heading towards and we all, this is another intense period of change that's coming. So somehow my higher self is talking with my anima. And this was one of the most poignant dreams I've had in a long time. It's profound. When was this? I think I might have shared with you, but let's just say this maybe within the last three months, I'd say. Yeah. It's, it's extremely profound. And, and what even makes us a delight to hear is the perspective at which you're approaching it as this, as this encounter with your, with your soul, with yourself. This is, the, this is the way, in my opinion, this is the way to, to proceed and uh and 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 just from my you know we stay stay away from any kind of analysis here but just from my perspective that's where the fruit's going to be nate that's where you're gonna find the fruit so yeah I, i'm thrilled to hear that and also as you mentioned earlier and people that may not know you i'm sure there'll be lots of that don't know you that listen to this uh your perspective is 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 right on as you said earlier so you you're coming at things now 
from a, a rather magically charged set of eyes where you're looking for these things and th this makes it more rewarding and it, i think it's going to open up a whole new a whole new level of perception and i cannot wait to see and what you had said earlier was you you're not the same you you were three months ago or a month ago so these changes once we're open to them how fast they happen they can happen so fast well i've been medicating myself a lot uh you know it's like i said i'm very sensitive and it's just no one likes a drink like a pisces so they say Right. Well, but you have been abstaining recently. Well, that's my point. Like, yeah. I've been, I was, when I said that, I was making the connection to how I was being cut off from my dreams when I was younger, it seems. And I was cutting myself off from myself for a long time. And so it seems like when you're open to things in this way, I'm quite literally like no longer blocking myself off. Mm hmm. And it's, it's, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I do. Yes. And it's like an, uh, uh, the word exponential growth seems to be coming into the, the parlance right now. Um, and it doesn't mean that I, I won't deviate from this course. I always have to say that, but I know that it's much better for me and anyone else who's very sensitive. If you can turn and face the, the strange, you know, <laughs> do, do it. Because it's it's why we're here. We're here to, I mean, this is why I think we're here. I'll say why I think we're here as evolutionary beings. We're here to learn lessons. If you're going to keep poisoning yourself or hiding from yourself, you're going to keep repeating a cycle until you can rise to the next octave. Yeah, I and I I'm with you on that. I it's, know you are. It's it's challenging. It is challenging because of the fuckery for lack, you know, for I just love the word fuckery. Fuckery is a great word. Because the world around us that we're all participating in and dreaming is so set up on diversion and so set up to take us literally out of of self and off of the path. This I mean, think about Red Riding Hood, that whole myth. I mean, it's, I mean, we could, th that should really be redone, I think, in contemporary terms, again, it, you know, it gets constantly redone. But right now, I think it's more profound than ever. The wolf is, is eating well right now because of all of the, everyone's off the path, off their own paths. And, and to some extent, we need to be off our paths, but if you're never on in a, your path, not the beaten path, not the path of normalcy, not the path of of the collective dream, but your path, your yeah, your soul path. road. Well, yes, and so the you know I also am an optimist, and I think that I think the majority of people are are coming to this realization that it is a time to start questioning. What are we doing and why are we doing it? Absolutely. Like, really? Well, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, you go. 
I want, you said, okay, so I wanted to revisit something you said earlier, and I want you to clarify for people what, what this means for you. Holy gift. Um, I'm going to start off with the first thing that comes to mind. And today it was a holy gift that um, I had a majorly uh, synchronistic day. Uh, Lewis Carroll, borrowing a term from a, a Roman writer, I would say that I mark this day with a white stone, which is a, a very positive day. I mean, I'm, I'm on one of my favorite podcasts right now with two of my favorite people, uh, Nish and, and Jerry, and it's really a gift. But um, I'm going to, I was able to tell Jim today, Jim Egan of the Newport Tower, everyone should get down there. It's, uh, I'm damn sure it's built by, jo it's, uh, the architect was John D. Um, so I was explaining to him, Nathan means the gift in Hebrew. And Nathaniel, because you're adding the um, the I E L, uh, El Elohim, angel, it means the gift of God. Now, my name, Nathan Lee, is a variation on that. You can think of, and this is the way my mind works, but it, it is what it is. You get like, you know, Lee, it inverts to eel. It's Nathaniel, but it's uh, the replacement of the vowel I with E which you can do in Hebrew, it's switchable out and you get what I understand as the same energy that you see on my occult fan picture, you get the holy flame electric energy. And so my name literally when you break it down means for the Lee, the holy, and for the Nathan, it's the gift. So my name literally means the holy gift. And so built into my very name is a, what I would call my life's work. The Holy Gift was known by people. Uh, it was an uh, internet, what you call like an urban legend or something to that effect. And it was the rearrangement of Tools Lateralis. Think Alice in Wonderland, which is my favorite book, by the way. Um, my guitar is Alice. Uh, I, it's just, it's, my, it's like my favorite thing. Uh, Alice in Wonderland. You'll always make me happy with little Alice in Wonderland gifts or quotes or if you recite Jabberwock. And... Um, you got that, and then that's like going down, and then you got Jacob's Ladder going up. So it's a conjunctio ad oppositorum. Uh, you take that album, and you rearrange it by the Fibonacci sequence, and you get an entirely new album, starting with Parable and Parabola. The, the two songs talk about being present. Uh, we barely remember what came before this precious moment, so you're not clogged up with anything that came before. You're just here very Tao, very Zen in the moment, experiencing with other people, experiencing the gift of being alive. And the next song talks about being present in your body, being grounded, being, you know, having your consciousness in your body. Um, this body, this, uh, this body holding me reminds me that I am not alone and talks about how um, basically uh two fundamental steps to beginning any kind of consciousness journey, being centered within yourself, being uh, present moment-based. And of course, parable is a homonym for parable, which homonym is a linguistic term, which again is the trivium. And parable encompasses these uh, linguistic aspects, and that's one side of the brain, and it's immediately joining the other side of the brain with parabola. So it's a holistic mindset or uh, conscious and subconscious swimming together, uh, the lateral functioning the lateral thinking thinking but what i'm saying is that the holy gift is an album that was well known a lot of people knew that it existed it was even in this tool book that i can give you guys for show notes or whatever you want to do with that but it's in there 
and no one what's different like so i was telling so jim egan was telling me that like some people knew about this some people knew about that but he figured this out and he was the one who had meaning to it and i said yeah people know that the holy gift is something but i'm the one who's figured out that it has meaning that there is a lesson that can be built upon there so to answer your question it is a series of lessons and consciousness evolution um archetypes and a story like a tarot tableau that can be utilized to unfold a consciousness expansion that is secular to a degree. It is based upon something that every one of us can utilize. It's take it or leave it, take it when you want to take it when you don't need it, whatever. It's a story. It's a lesson that we can use to eventually get to a state of, um, how you say, uh, pure, um, for lack of a better word, it's a, a disposition of bliss. It's being, emotionally unguarded and able to just hear so someone the lyrics are mention this to me mention something mention anything mention this to me watch the weather change and the way i envision that to answer this by way of um a parable again as i started to say the lesson that unfolds over time but you're talking with someone there's just a blank sky in front of us jerry says something to you and i and like we are so open and ready and willing to to un un um, encumberedly or uh, unjudgmentally, non-judgmentally accept his understanding of the world that we allow it to impact us, and the sky changes to the colors from all three of our combined essences uh, to whatever Jerry said. And then Nish, you think of something. Oh, but you know maybe this, and then it, the sky changes again, and we're just in a really open, loving, autonomous, and free thinking and independent um independent mindset but still also able to communicate in a very whole and um you know godly manner so i hope that answers your question as to what the holy gift is to a degree absolutely and it, it gave me the chills <laughs> it was <laughs> I, absolutely nathan that was <laughs> brilliant so, all right, with that as something to build upon here, how do you experience, do you experience OBEs or, or, or their, their little sibling, high lucidity, which is still in the body? Okay, so I can only answer this by... Uh in my in my pisces my pisces rising fashion recently gordon white's doing a course with spirit um with spirit allies and uh ancestor work and um just along those lines and we, the other day we did a an exercise in my experience in this exercise was that i met a figure i i know this isn't directly but i'm going to go with this i met a figure and so many synchronicities but i met a figure she was beautiful another redhead you can maybe see a theme here and she had like uh she had a leer at sometimes you know a harp at other times she had a, a a red apple and she gifted me this red apple but uh she told me her name and her name was morgana and she called me she referred to me as her holy knight and she told me that i'm going to die young and this was a very powerful experience for me. It's not typical what people would call OBEs or astral projection or um, loose, high lucidity. 
Um, I have seen like individual particles of light fall from the ceiling when I turn a light switch on. It's happened once, but I could I could see everything for a brief second. Um, but that's that's an example of high lucidity. Um, and I've also gone into a, a period of high terror, like um, the song Phi Up Day Awad on the Holy Gift, uh, where I was concentrating so much on my own death uh, of not being that my senses were overridden by it. And uh, it was a, it was a pitch black screaming fit. Like I literally sent shockwaves of terror into the people around me, not just because I was quite vociferous, but because of the, um, the way that my electromagnetic uh, aura was vibrating. Uh, but yes, I've had high, high, high happinesses and high lows like that. Uh, whereas able to see like in this brief, illuminated moments no pun intended every single particle of light falling from the ceiling um i've had a, a, a an experience this is I'm, I'm pulling away from the morgana experience but that was worthy of just injecting for a moment uh one time i was watching if you're if either of you guys or anyone listening is familiar with the artist the cinematographer the filmmaker stan brackage he has a film much like alex gray um who used to dissect people um, he has a film, it basically is the translation of the word autopsy, and it means um, the act of experiencing through one's firsthand witnessing or the act of truly seeing with one's own eyes. I can never seem to get the uh, title down right, but it's basically what autopsy breaks into, no pun intended, in the uh, Latin translation. And I watched this film of this man and this woman being, um, it's on the Criterion Collection, you can find it, and I watched this man and this woman being um, cut apart and their fluids being drained out of them and cleaned out. And it was horrible to watch. It was really hard. That's not something that I find pleasant. But what I did was I made myself sit through it. I wanted to be dedicated to a filmmaker's work. I, I Film is one of my favorite things. I, I really find value in some of my favorite filmmakers, like uh, Miyazaki even, which is co-animated. But um, what was really important for me was to sit through this. I knew I had to experience it. And during this, I had this extreme energy vortex rushing through me. I can't call it Kundalini, but maybe something akin. And I was just taken to these psychic heights, this high lucidity. I could barely move my body. I finished watching it and I had to, I, I tried to leave. I was on the second floor of the house. I, tr I had to like steady myself to get down the stairs and I needed to be someplace that was just kind of like a, a hole in the ground or a cave in the wall. So I made it to the dark laundry room, which had a door leading outside. And I said, not now, God, not now, Satan. This is too much. I just need to just let this energy go. And that was one of those experiences for me. Wow. Okay. So when was that? I was about 24, 23, 24. That was after, um, the like I talked about from 17 to 23, there was a lot of intense stuff happening in my life. Mm -hmm. I basically had to leave school for a while. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know. <laughs> yes, well. So, I think you should, and that should just be in the private sector. I wasn't going to, yeah. What about, okay, so this Morgana dream. Okay, How, we can go back was, there. I want to know, okay, first of all, when was that? Morgana. Just roundabouts. Oh, no, this was like a Sunday or two ago. So that is very recent. Yes, extremely. 
It's amazing. Okay, so what I want to dig into that a little bit, Nate. Sure. So, and by the way, I wasn't going to go into any of that. I was just, I, w- I was telling that because that was a period of time where that stuff was really. Anyways, yes. please. Continue. Yes, I know, and um, I mean, I would love to go into it. I just think, I think. How about a little at a time? Maybe, maybe next time on next time on next Monday. Yes, or on perhaps when we're on your show. That's fine. You know, although I, I probably won't be as. Anyways, so Morgana. So, uh, Morgana, this idea of dying young. When she said that to you, I want to know more about that. Give me more. Give me more of this Morgana experience. More of the die young thing. How do you feel about it? What do you think was really the message there? I have a few thoughts, but first I'm going to just lighten it up by saying I am absolutely infatuated with the animated version with all the furries uh, for Kesha's Die Young. Love that video. <laughs> People haven't seen that. It's got these cute little foxes, and it's just amazing. You'll know it because it's amazing. And so um, I think that when I finish writing The Holy Gift in earnest, and, it's, and it, might, it might take a form, it might take two forms, the Bible gets re-edited and stuff, and I am writing it as a sacred text with all the intentions to have Alex Gray use it at Cosm as a sacred text for the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors. Mind oh, you, that is... fantastic. I started to talk about that LSD trip when I met him. But um, yeah, anyways, um, he called me Imaginathan, long and short. <laughs> I got a name from Alex Gray, and it was on That's 8- That's a great name. That is a great name. It was on 8817, so 888. And it was just, in my number's 8, Nate. My birthday, my name, gematrifies to it. My birthday adds to it and everything. So Nate has an eight thing going on. Oh, yeah. A lemniscate. Lemniscate. <laughs> um, so imagine Ethan was what he called me. And I just feel like it's in the stars in like the way that I've incarnated that this is a thing that I'm here to do. Now, my reason for br- bringing this all around is if I'm being told the truth, if I'm actually going to die young, I'm probably going to finish writing the Holy Gift. And when it's finished, that's probably about time for me to exit. What do you think? So I've heard this a lot over the years listening to, especially artists. This is very specific with people that seem to be creative and they have something that needs to get done and something that needs to get out and there's a drive behind it. And, and some people have, have uh, found themselves procrastinating because of it also. Right. Because there's this, like this feeling of, this is the timeline. When this is finished, I'm done. You know, I've, I've laid my seed. However, right. I use, I have seen, uh, more of them have not passed. A couple have, which was right. ironic. So, and, but it was just all of a sudden a new them. Uh, it, they birthed out something incredible and shed their skin essentially. So 46 and two just ahead of me style. Sure. So this Morgana, I, I just, I want to dig deeper into that. So is it the first time you encountered that archetype? Yeah. In fact, I wasn't even quite sure. Um, Like I instantly almost knew because my background, my Mind you, I don't know my entire background and I get, you know, I'm told I'm a quarter Jewish and my professor who I lived with during that, you know, period of when I was 23, 24, tried to marry me off to her daughter and send me off on birthright. So anyways, but um, what happened was I, um, I'm Irish, Scottish, Welsh, English, German, and Scandinavian. Like I'm six things plus whatever the Jewish part is. 
So I was familiar that this felt like a resonant archetype that was visiting me. But like, I wasn't thinking about that at the time. I was just like wrapped in awe that I'm like, wow, I can't, this is actually happening. We were going in search of spirit, uh, basically your spirit team or something to that effect. And I had to look up afterwards, like who, I mean, it was clear as day. She said her name. And so I had to look up afterwards, who's Morgana. And then I realized that she had called me her holy knight and that Morgana's the savior of Arthur at several different points. And down today at the D Tower Museum, of course, there's a picture of King Arthur talking about how he may have colonized America, but I just want to throw the sink in there. Uh, it is the equinox after all. And I think that, I mean, you could take it as like, she's another form of my anima, but I felt like this was a distinctly different being. And all I can say is, you know, maybe she's my muse to help me write the holy gift. I don't, I'm just trying to connect things together right now. I don't have a good answer. I really don't know. That That's all right. And, and so I just wanted to get that, especially since we got our like timing warning on here. Yeah, I saw that too, but I... I <laughs> I, I said thank you so much for inviting me on and all that stuff, and I could probably go for a break anyways. But yeah, we have about so, like ten fifteen. So let's let's move into death because that's where I usually. That's where, as you know, that's where we kind of we move this to that, and we take questions. So we've got this Morgana. We've got the Morgana archetype showing up, and death certainly is one of the things that's wrapped around with at least the Celtic version of the Morrigan. Uh, right. And you're an artist and you're, you're rather prolific. You do, you know, you're doing a lot all the time. I know this about you. I so, love calligraphy too. Sorry. I just have to add that. I love calligraphy. So there's this, this drive to get something accomplished, something specific accomplished. What do you think what is for you what is death and so what's the idea of this i know you've put a lot of energy in thinking about it because we talked about it in the show already so what's going on with death it's the recycling of higher um non-earthly energies that have taken form in our elemental bodies in the shedding of this dimension of experience. If you've done shitty things in life and you have dark karma or you don't know what you're about to go through, you're going to be, a, you're going to be, you know, stripped away from all your extra baggage and uh, your karma. And those will appear as demons to those unprepared or who have been negative. They will appear as angels to others, but our natural place is in a higher realm. I mean, the earth is a natural place, but our more natural place is in a higher celestial state. And for whatever God-forsaken or God-blessed reason, we have decided to incarnate, to experience humanity, to experience what it's like in this way of being. I believe that we're here to learn. I, this is, this is I, I happen to believe that we are here to um, learn something about existing because uh, it's not how the world is that is the mystical. It is that the world is. That's Wittgenstein, and I love quoting it. Yes, it's it goes so hand, good. It goes hand in hand 
with the notion it is so good it goes hand in hand with the notion that we are here picking up experiences and you have free will you can make decisions and make really effed up ones and hurt the planet hurt people be a murderer be a rapist and there's certain roles and things like i'm not blanket judging anything but you can really build up some nega you can bring you can build up some negs yo and that's gonna come out with a whole weighing of the heart but i think that ultimately even in the human form we're here to learn to evolve to the pinnacle of humanness so that we can move on in our next incarnations as a soul group as a soul family or whatever to doing some other mind bending whatever experience that's building even more evolution to keep evol moving forward for whatever the reason we do this so what is death it's a necessity. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It is often extremely painful because of the process that being exists, you know, it desires to exist within, which is youth and beauty and truth or whatever, you know, now I'm going all Keats, but the idea is that it wants to be alive. There's some part of us that needs that mainframe in the matrix to believe that to keep us on our evolutionary goal. It's a kind of default setting that's like, keeping us between certain boundaries because if there were no rules there would be no meaning and so death is the process through which we return to our home in a way um i there's so much to say like we might just you know reconvene with our uh, higher you know other people who have passed that we have known people that we want to see again people that we want to be again or something like i don't know i don't know about the last one but death is beautiful is uh my answer and i know it doesn't feel that way and i know it hurts and i know it sucks but it's also really wonderful because it gives meaning to everything i i agree i love it and i love it when we look at it through the arts i mean look at amazing films like all that jazz with jessica lang and her role I haven't seen uh, it. It, it oh you've got to see it just for the bob fossey just for the fossey choreography alone it's all that jazz is a masterpiece a bloody masterpiece i have you to concur if, well uh, yeah I was and jessica lang was at her height of be like of her i was gonna say if you said it then i definitely i take that with a, a heavier weight than you know it's, fucking, also it's fucking roy scheider dude you can't yeah one yeah, jerry concurring i mean so you know this well, yeah you guys are both awesome like both very skilled so so we've, we've got these images and this is like so jessica lang plays this the morigana the hecate you know she's playing this energy and we we see this in film another amazing film siesta uh and it it's it's there and it's with us all the time and yet it's sometimes hard to see it death it's this constant companion so i I um I like I like where you're vibing with this Nathan. I like where you went with that. Uh, yes, is all I got to say is yes. I'm not going to analyze as a sync though. As a synchronicity for you, my legal middle name is Morgana. No shit. <laughs> yes. No sh. No. <laughs> and not shit. a lot of people know that. So yes, yes, indeed. I didn't know it. that. Yeah. Exactly. That's uh, that does it for me. I mean, <laughs> so on that. Oh my note, God! Can I read to you the chat? I just flipped open my Bible, by the way. I have that one as well, the Masonic one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I I could tell you how I got this, but then so um, it's Ezekiel eighteen. Uh, 
I'm going to say, no, sorry, 17. Uh, is Ezekiel 17, uh, number 16. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely in the place where the king dwelleth that made him king, whose oath he despised and whose covenant he break, even with him in the midst of Babylon, he shall die. Mm. <laughs> you know what's up. And so do a lot of other people. And, and this is why our eyes are open. So let's, let's, I know there must be questions because not, I mean, half the chat has to be people that are what we consider fam, right? I mean, it has to be, I'm not over there, but I'm imagining. Uh, I just want to say what's up to everyone that's usually in the chat. I can't name names for everyone, but you know who you are. And I, I know you actually, in this case, know who you are. So hello. <laughs> yeah, because wherever Nathan is in any chat, he's, it's like Nathan and Jerry are the most vocal wherever they are. So I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Hard hitters. It's that Leo Moon. We speak truth to power. Mm -hmm. Whatever the (laughs) fuck that means. Not 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 poof to flowers, but truth to power. (laughs) All right. So thank you, crypto enthusiast AAA. Yes, this is godlike content, and we need more subscribers. So please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And I do have one question, but she says it's not a question, from Bibi. Uh, she was struck by your sense memories of your child self experiences of the world pre-divorce. The phrase, quote, the fall, unquote, arose. She brings this up because here, she brings this up here because there is a treasure for him waiting there in that deep place of those so-called memories. This is beyond usual psych shadow work. I think that's a, hey, Abibs. Um, I love BB. I really. Oh, we do. Yeah, she, me too. She's ex-fam, yo. I've adopted I, her as a mother. I, I, well, that will make what we, anyways. <laughs> so, 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 I, I, this is not the time to be making those jokes. I would say that. Um, I think that I, I think that's extremely profound, and I really needed to hear that tonight. I, I think that this was um, that was just very important. I don't have much more to say. She knows that she and I can talk about that later. Just that um, when I was I, it, when I was talking about that, I need to go back to go forward. She might have just been talking about where I need to go back to. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. The next question we have is from Cornificus. Where is Mercury in your natal chart? Ah. Cornificus, you're insightful. Uh, I'm assuming so, but if it's doing, if Mercury's Mercuring, then I think you know what's going on. Uh, I am, uh, to answer the question, like I said, Pisces rising, Leo moon. My son is, uh, I, am, I am born on the equinox. So I'm born at zero, zero degrees Libra. And as Mercury's never far behind or above, my Mercury is in my seventh house, if I'm even remembering correctly. Uh, my Mercury's in Virgo. All right. That's all the questions. And I put a link to all that jazz trailer into the show notes too for people who missed it in chat. That'll be the next movie I watched. The last film that I watched, actually speaking of death, I watched Enter the Void. I don't know that one. 
Okay. Yeah, I'll watch all that jazz. You can watch Enter the Void and we'll thank each other later. I feel like I know the title, but Jerry is so good at get, he gets all this stuff into the show notes. So good. And yeah, I mean, on our server, all the stuff that comes up, Jerry just yeah. plasters those show notes. Well, just make sure that uh Enter the Void goes in there too. That's something people should watch. It's intense. Um, it's not easy to watch. It's very intense. But, I, yeah. I I feel like I've watched it, but I'm gonna look at the trailer and see it's like holy mountain trying to watch holy mountain in one sitting. oh my god i watched that when i was like in my 20s that was i watched all of um the available i got you know jodorowsky had a set so i had like his first film la cravat with the head and then uh, i watched like el topo fondo elise uh holy mountain dude oh my god oh man i so wanted i'm sorry go ahead no no i'll just i'll finish by saying that stuff makes my soul sing love it i can you imagine if he had finished dune dude i know with oh. the whole dolly stuff yeah yes yes just, i want to make a quick connection here and i'll share a sync before we go um there's so much that i just didn't touch on but neutral milk hotel oh by the way nish back at the pink floyd i'm seeing pink floyd's i'm seeing nick mason's saucer full of secrets in april oh cool I'm yeah jelly. dude and get this I, well that's at, that's record store day, and they're releasing Saucer Full of Secrets that day. Oh my god! What the hell, right? But um, <laughs> to get to the sorry, Jerry, did you? Ha, did, I I want to finish this neutral milk hotel thing. Go, but go, what, go, ahead. go okay, ahead. Okay, okay, okay. So um, so I was at a neutral milk hotel concert, and um, wait, where am I going with this? Oh yeah, first of all, now she's a little girl in Spain playing pianos filled with flames on empty rings around the sun. Well, he's he's referencing Fando Elise in that song. And um, yeah, so anyways, uh, for people who know what I'm talking about, Fando Elise by Jodorowsky, brought up in Jeff Mangum's uh, song. I'm trying to remember. It's like, I think it's, it's not Two-Headed Boy, but uh, I can't remember right now. But it's off in the aeroplane over the sea. Anyways, I saw Neutral Milk Hotel in Boston, possibly at the same venue I'm going to see Pink Floyd at, or Nick Mason at. But um, I shouted out, Ferris Wheel on Fire. Like this, it's it's kind of a more obscure song, whatever. It's Neutral Milk Hotel, so that's like Oreos with Oreos. But um, he looked directly at me, like literally directly at me with this dumbfounded expression, like what the fuck, you know? And then they went on to play that song. They were about to play it, and I had shouted it out in like such a poignant, direct manner. Like I shot him with my voice, and he looked straight at me. <laughs> That's excellent. And then they played the song. It was just one of the most like profound. Like I've met Sam Beam of Iron and Wine a few times and given him a mango. And I, I've had like all these different strange experiences where I played guitar for Juliana Hatfield, and it was just all these weird. My my life has a very magical bent to it, but I feel like we're drawing down to the close. And I don't know if I think of one last thing, I'll say it. But anyways, Nathan, make sure you check out Siesta, the film. Okay, so it's a brilliant cast, and it's in my top five. Films. Is it a musical? Siesta? No, it's got Ellen Barkin as the main character, but it's got Jodie Foster, Grace Jones, Julian Sands. Uh, oh my God, Isabella Rossellini. Uh, on and on. I mean, it just continues. With that, that's so crazy. I, I was just about to bring up. We were um, just talking about Ellen Barkin too. That's crazier. It's her well, best role. It's the role of her. It's life. even. It's even crazier because David Lynch has Elizabeth Rossellini in Blue Velvet, and I was about right. to say I can't. I can't go. Th I can't. We can't end the show before I have 
some Twin Peaks knowledge to drop. Drop so it. Yes. We're not going okay. anywhere, dude. Relax. Yes. Uh, okay, Mr. <laughs> Notice in the Zoom. Okay, whatever. No, so, he always lets us know we're getting close to the two hours. Oh, I thought that meant like he had a hard close. Mm -mm. No. Mm -mm. no. <laughs> For a dream <laughs> show. Okay, okay, I'm good. Then I'll I'll, I'll chillax brow. Thanks. So here's a... here. Thank you. Thank you. Here's a... Th no, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Akavano. <laughs> Domo arigato, Mr. Jerry. So, okay. <laughs> Listen, Jerry. Okay, anyways. Here's a, here's a, Morty! Okay, listen. Here's what I'm going to do. Look at your hands, people. Remember the girl who's killed in Twin Peaks? Her name is Laura Palmer. If you look on your palm, you're going to see Twin Peaks. And there's an occult secret right there. Not everyone has that, Nathan. I used to read Carology, and it's the, the M. Yeah, most people have it that I've met, like 99% of people. So it works for most people. I have seen many, many hands, and I used to ink them out and everything. I was very yeah. into it. Uh, that don't have it you would be surprised i think surprised. You, we probably vibrate with our own kinds of people a lot of people do have it it's still well, not it's not empirical but i would say well here's what is though a lot of people do have it right yes it, it's not uncommon we'll put it that way so i think that it was common enough that you have a girl named laura palmer and you have Twin Peaks on most people's hands. But I do appreciate the fact that it's not ubiquitous. Yeah. Yeah. I just had to say that because it was, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of significant. Well, what's weird is if you look at both of your palms, one may have it and one may not. Right. So your palms are different. What if you cut your hands cut off? No, anyways. <laughs> yeah exactly well, then you have astrology and tarot and other things iridology and all these other wonderful ways to phrenology yes um other well, then I'll, I'll add this about a cult fan it strikes me that whenever you see that stairwell in the palmer's house especially in the pilot where the mother's calling up for her and she can't hear her because she's obviously not there that is the occult fan. That is the occult fan. That's the occult fan. I, I do have one more sync that I told Jerry I'd share, and I wanted to share this one about um, where occult fan comes from, and then I can probably tap out. Fresh air and all. Lay it on us, baby. I'm doing it. Hold on. Okay. Where everyone has these things in their life that really mean a lot to them. For me, Twin Peaks, The Holy Gift. Another one, like Majora's Mask or Link's Awakening, Zelda's. Um, other things, too, like Rosicrucianism and Freemasonry matter a lot to me, too. One of the most important to me is this game called Final Fantasy VIII. It's legendary. And just like X-Files and Fringe and blah, 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 Final Fantasy Unlimited. This is something that's deeply ingrained in my psyche. It matters a lot to me. And in Final Fantasy VIII, there's a four magazine it's a paranormal magazine that tells you this weird side quest it's very it's paranormal about how it goes about explaining itself but there's these four magazines called occult fan magazine it used to be called boo monthly but um they changed the name to occult fan magazine and it tells you four different aspects about learning how to acquire this what they call in the game a guardian force it's a summon it's a gf 
and its name is Doom Train. And to get Doom Train, you need to acquire 666 items and something called Solomon's Ring. And I am a Freemason. This is not secret. Freemasonry is structured around the lore of Solomon. And you would say any brotherhood, Rosicrucian, etc., is a ring or a mystic tie. Solomon's ring being Freemasonry in the metaphor, and I being a cult fan. You need 666 items to activate it. My grandfather was 33 or 6 when he took his three degrees. My father, who joined last year, was 69. Dying is the Horizon 9, you know, number 9, number 9, number 9. It's no matter where you go, it always disappears and adds, just like the number 9. So my father was 6. My grandfather was six, my father was six, and I was 33 when I took my degrees. So you have in Solomon's ring, I am the third six of 666 to activate what you would say is the Guardian Force Doom Train, all under the auspices of being called a cult fan. That's amazing. I, I absolutely, you know how I love, and of course I'm connected into all of this understanding. I do suppose so. I I want you to maybe elaborate a little bit more on people that may find that fearful. Sure. And I'll t well, first I'll make it worse and then I'll make it better. How's that? Okay. I activated a cult fan in my life on July, excuse me, derpity derp derp. On June 6th, 2006, I saw, I, I performed a ritual and became a cult fan. And part of that was seeing the movie The Omen. So I told you I'm going to make it worse first. The but, Omen scared the shite out of me when I was a little kid. A remake. It, was it, was remake. The, it was the remake, right, because I saw the original on June 6, 1976. Yeah, it was scared. Didn't it scare you, Jerry? No, it was stupid. Oh, my God, it scared me. Jaws scared me. Jaws, I had to leave the theater. Wow. I went and watched. Jaws scared me too. Water. I, I, well, you have, yeah, I was going to say, Jerry was, has all that water. I was nine. And I, okay. I insisted yeah, my hard. parents take me to the, to see Jaws, and they're like, okay. And yeah, I, it's I, like seeing Jurassic Park too early. Yeah, I was too. It was my fault, but anyway. Well, you were nine. I don't know if we could say that. But anyways, yeah, um, the, the new one only had that one scary scene, which was that stupid jump scare where they had the horse face skeleton thing in the mirror. You know, the, the close the mirror pops out at you. But yeah, no, that's a crazy sink that you saw the omen when it opened, and I have a cult fan through the Omen. So, again, today's been an extremely synchronistic day for me. I met Jim Egan at the Newport Tower. I can't even go into all of that, but it was cool. Who, I want to get on this show pretty soon, too. I happen to know a guy who knows him. So I I'll, know. I'll see what. <laughs> all right. So, let's finish the idea. Um, six is the number of Tifereth, for example. I run podcasts. I run all four elements the Six of Swords, the Six of Cups, the Six of Wands, the Six of Stones. Uh, six of Stones is going to be upcoming. Uh, about uh, cannabis business and cannabis entrepreneurship. I want to definitely start with some highlights of women in cannabis entrepreneurship. People listening to this, if you know someone who's a woman in cannabis uh, industry and entrepreneur in cannabis, definitely feel free to hit me up. Uh, links in the show notes and all that jazz. But up, up. So all I'm saying is that six is the number of Tifereth, which is the sun. And you could say that six is the number of Christ. You could say that six is simply a glyph for uh, upward spiraling evolution. Six is the generative. It's the male and female or the fire and water, the sword and the stone combined. I mean, six is a very positive number. It's one of the only numbers that doesn't need anything else to exist. 
and that's some deeper occult stuff. But it's not what some kind of like Jesuit factory farm minding scare tactics or whatever, not to hate on the Jesuits, but it's not a scary number. It's a misunderstanding. It's a misnomer. Disabuse yourself of that fallacy. Well, I think that, I, okay, so here, I, I don't think most people are afraid of six. So I think they're afraid of the combination of six, six, six. Well, that's what I was getting. I thought that I was being implicit, but okay. Yeah, it didn't, what, what it didn't come, it, 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 it came off more like, the no, it didn't come off that way to me listening to you. I mean, thinking about it like uh, a triplicate too, six plus six plus six is um, an inverted six, which is a nine by virtue of 18. But again, even if it's three sixes, it's not something to be worried about. If a six alone is not something to be worried about, neither is three of them. But again, it's, it's a grand misunderstanding uh, in my estimate. Again, you're just asking what I think. Yes, yes, of I, course. I do not. I, I, I think it's a holy number. I think it has a lot more to do with evolution of consciousness. I think it has a lot more to do with the awareness of magic in your life. And I think it has a lot more to do with embracing your own how you say um, higher consciousness willpower than it does of any uh, devil worshiping or anything like that. I think that no, there, um, and you know this, and of course I'm playing devil's advocate here. Hardy, har, har. Anyone there, there are going to be people that know that you're a Mason and that's just going to be enough to shut them down on 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 it you know that's enough information and then you start talking 666 and that's going to be like well not only is he a mason sure you know it, it wasn't even enough that i'm called occult fan right 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 so we can start there but so there's all this stuff and yet it's it, and yet you, you listen know, to me it, talking about how i want to help people and help people realize their self-evolution and to be kind to everyone at yeah. the same time. I know. It's, I mean, you know, I know. I, I just, I, I just like people to work through the ideas of fear and how it gets, it, how it's spun out and, and woven out into the greater collective with things that are just occulted which are hidden hidden information and the hidden information is there so that we can find a deeper meaning through unlocking these mysteries that are ultimately a self inward journey and have nothing to do with the outer world i drew the magician as you were saying that oh isn't that perfect that's great what deck is that ah you would love this one it's called the prisma tarot deck Oh, I like that car a lot. Jerry, do you know this deck? No, I didn't even see the card. It's beautiful. Oh, that's cool. Like right? A, like a 20s noir Nosferatu yeah. look. I don't know what. Yeah. Well, it, it's an interesting it's like deck. like a Beardsley look almost. With the oh, Aubrey Beardsley, right on. What's yeah, the name yeah. of it? Prisma Tarot. If you guys, if Nish and Jerry will look... As you see, I'm pulling this card up in front of me. I keep this on my computer at all times. It comes with a 79th card, which has a question mark, and you can choose to keep it in the deck or take it out. I oh, obviously I love that. Illumination. Yes. Yep, and it has a question mark for its number. <laughs> That's so great. It's like, it's like the Joker Joker. 
Yeah, it's like meta. <laughs> it's like the twenty-two to the zero on yeah. a higher on a higher octave. And I'll say this: if anyone to tie it back around to the Pink Floyd in the Endless River, if anyone looks at the actual physical CD for the Endless River, you're going to see that it looks very similar to the Illumination card in the Prisma Tarot deck. I I know Jerry's going to have that in the notes because I feel like I need to have that deck. Oh, you must. Yeah, was, and was, I'm not looking for many more decks. I've got enough, and I no, and I hear it's you. already when in you, the show notes. When you say you want a deck, that's really saying something. Yeah, so yeah, Jerry, right. buy me that deck. Yeah, I pretty know. much. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Jerry I was gifted that in. that when I joined Masonry, that was my gift for joining Masonry from a from someone who from a caring brother. Oh, you yeah. know, this is one of the things I do like about that uh, organization is the oath of fealty to each other and how everyone looks out for each other. I think that uh, this is this is something we need more of in the world in general. Oh, I agree. So, which Bible did you read that verse from? Is it King James? Um, or Masonic say- Bible. Mason Bible. What was it? I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure if it's like which one it's using. So I'll figure that out and get back to you. No, the Masonic Bible's like King James root, I think. I think so. But but it's 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 got its own changes. But it was Ezekiel, what number? Yeah. um, Well, 17, 18, I think. 17, 18. There you go. From the Masonic Bible guys. Yeah. It was just because we were talking about death and it happened. I was like, oh, well, this one that my eye fell on was talking about dying. I think breaking the covenant in some cases is not getting circumcised. <laughs> you know how much neurological trauma that causes a baby boy? I would never do it to if I had a little boy. I would never do that. I feel I, you. I wouldn't do it. I think that I just, I, oh, was there a meme going around Twitter recently? And they showed like a graphic of it, just made me shudder. So creepy. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you can yeah, get, there's a company in California called Recap that will grow you yeah, a new, yeah. a clever new forest game. I know. Nish, Nish, I didn't know scared? that about I didn't know that about the um the M on the hand. That's cool. Right. Well, there are some people, and I can think of three people off the top of my head, and Crypto Mystic is one of them, by the way. I have a simian. Hi, Mike. And if he's out there, I hope he is. I, I'm not in there, but he has a simian line where you're head and your heart connect it creates a line all the way across across can i I show you my hand later can you tell me a little bit later yeah i'd love to you know it'd be best if you could send me like a a photoshop a high res a high res um photocopy shot now don't press too hard and let your hand lay natural i want the fingers to lay how they lay yeah i feel you there's like don't don't move them around. It needs to be natural. I watch people's hands anyway, so I've, I've, you know, I always watch your hands. However, so the, the Simeon line is a very special line, and it obviously you won't have two peaks. There are just a lot of hands that don't have it. Trust me. Oh, I, I don't doubt it for a minute. Well, I, I don't think there's ever a time that I don't trust you, but now I'm just being overly literal. Well, of course, you should, you should, you know, I caution against that. You should always... I appreciate that. Thank you. I have I have a certain sense of that same love for you as well. But I do think trust trust is a weird thing, right? Nate, Nate, jump off that cliff. <laughs> trust me, it's it'll be all right. 
<laughs> Woman ain't no one that foolish. <laughs> Fool. And on that, one of my uh, next video songs is all about the fool. So this is a good time to plug your stuff. Your wonder. Okay, so I've I've only listened to the Six of Swords, and then it was the Six of Cups, right? Well, it is. It's a strikingly good time because the fool is not just the zero; it's the twenty-two. Yes. And uh, one of the, without going into much of it, twenty-two is an important number for a lot of reasons. But I'm born on September twenty-second, and um, I just and notice how Bilbo and Frodo were born then too, and they take quite a journey where they evolve from a certain state. So. Um, yeah. Okay. Just to directly point it towards my, um, you basically, there's a few avenues of creativity that I, I like to, uh, express myself on right now. You can find my writing on my WordPress, my WordPress blog. Uh, it's called master no self. And, uh, it's just a cult fan blog. Uh, it's show notes type stuff. It's also pinned in my tweets, uh, which you'll see is my birthday. I have the September 22nd there. You have my Six of Swords podcast, the Six of Cups podcast, Six of Wands podcast upcoming, and the Six of Stones podcast upcoming, and also my album, which I very I hold very dearly. I have over a few thousand recordings, but only about 19 of them have I put out, and you can find that there. Uh, buy the album if you want to support it. You can listen to it free otherwise, freeloader. You can, I'm cough. You can listen to the album there. It's some good stuff. It's all older material, and it was released on December 22nd, 2012, which, you know, for those of you with the, um, with the noticing of the dates, that was a significant date. Uh, my favorite track on there is probably a Now for the Doctor. Uh, listen to that if you don't listen to anything else. It's just got some of the craziest guitar work I've ever done. I'm a huge fan of your guitar work, by the way. I, you know how much I love it. It's moved me. You and I, Walker, Alex, you're both of you, or just you've touched me with your guitar work. Well, thank you. And um, that's that's uh, basically it for now. Um, I'm obviously working on the Holy Gift. I've set aside some time in April to slam down a rough, rough, rough draft, and. It's, it's, you know, killing yourself with criticism kind of thing, but um, I think I've learned enough to at least parse out uh, a great chunk of what I want to say. Besides that, um, you know, find me on Twitter until Twitter kills us all. Um, <laughs> Which and, is trying to. <laughs> yeah, I put out a lot of guitar pieces on Twitter, but um, yeah, I mean, for now, um, you can find me on such fine podcasts as Not Comente. Uh, <laughs> I do do a lot of work with um, Heretics Anonymous and... Um, I don't know how much Miguel wants me to blow it up, but something's coming soon. So look for that. I won't tell you the guest, but y'all will like it. Yeah, I guess that's it. Just my writing, my music, and um, my podcast for now. Uh, Musician, author, podcaster, map. There you go. Nathan, thank you. This was, this was such a pleasure. You're so easy to get on with, and your knowledge is so... Deep and vast. There's no joke in there <laughs> for for the for the um, season, the holy vagina. Anyway, so yeah, this was this was. I love that you're equinox king and the full moon. Nonetheless, this was a beautiful spell to have. It was quite synchronistic. Very incredibly so. And and, and Ryan missed it all. Exactly. <clears throat> well. 
I, I just want to send send some love to uh, Ryan Peverly. He's a great dude. Absolutely. He's very intelligent and very, um, very, um, f- he's very in touch emotionally. He's very emotionally intelligent. And uh, I want to thank him for being the first podcast that really ever podcasted me. You know, thank you also to Greg or Reams, Reamsy. And uh, oh, yeah, thank Reams. you to Miguel. Thank you to all the people who have done that. Yeah. But uh, shout outs to all y'all. Yeah, we got to get Miguel on here. I happen to know a guy. I know you do. We need to get <laughs> I, I emailed him yeah. once, but it was through his contact page on his website. What who? Rimsy will be a who. We definitely should oh, have Rimsy on. Absolutely. I think so. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, Tracy Twyman has the same birthday as my mom, too. I just want to throw that out there. Another person who has not responded to my invite. Oh, boy. But Tracy? that's maybe. Mm-hmm. But she was but, going yeah. through that shit at the time I sent it. That's, which... That was some hard shit. Yeah, but I happen to know a guy who knows her, Jerry. I know, so anyway, I know. Well, hook I know. us up, Nathan. What's this? Come so, on, aye, aye, aye. Next week, way, it's just easier for people to call me Nate. Otherwise, I do like Nathan Lee, but right. I didn't say a damn thing all night. Anyways, just I really like my name. I feel like it's like my, my mom was going to call me Elizabeth if she didn't call me Nathan Lee. You can yeah. still be Elizabeth. Oh, you know I. Oh, anyways, we'll save that for another time. We were gonna name you my share daughter. Those pictures, you share those pictures with anyone though. Now you're going off the cliff. It's you and Jerry, not me. I always just happen to see them. We were gonna yeah, name Jerry our what Jerry pictures? Jerry knows how to talk, sweet talk you. Anyways, <laughs> Jerry. And on that note, next week we'll have Eric Wargo. Sweet retro causality king. Should be an interesting discussion. I gotta re-listen to interview i forget where i heard him on i think he was oh, on jerry link me so that i'm in the loop on that i think he was on greg bishop's show i don't know i'll find it right it eric worked on nightshirt skeptico maybe? he's been on a lot of he's been on yeah, every yeah. show but the most recent thing i heard him on i think was uh radio mysterioso which it was a really interesting conversation about his new book which is all about retro causality so he's a rad dude oh yeah it should be a real interesting discussion. He's he's jazzed about it too. So, all right, and all that jazz. Well, thank <laughs> you guys jazz. so much for having me on, Nish Nish and Jer. Thank you. You're I love welcome. you guys. Love you too. We lo- I love you, Nathan Lee, and <laughs> we love the listeners and everyone else who enjoys our podcast. So, thanks everyone. Have a good night. We'll see you next week. Good night.